the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth and tenth chapters. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he was viscerally moved to compassion for them because they were completely plundered. Completely plundered and left for dead like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. <coughs> then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without payment, give without payment. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. <coughs> it's a summer Sunday as we gather here at Holy Trinity. And uh, at, at least here, I'm, I'm sure there must be lots of people online, but at least here in the room, um, one might get the impression that the laborers are few, huh? The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Last week, we thought together about how it is that Jesus is the embodiment of God's mercy. Jesus is God's mercy on legs, the, the parable of God's mercy on legs. As Matthew works a theme, he has gathered up words and deeds of Jesus in order to explicate something from the prophet Hosea, chapter 6, I desire mercy, 
not sacrifice. And so last week we thought together about how Jesus' actions and words were a way of developing God's mercy for us in the flesh. Our gospel reading today begins with a kind of summary of all of that. Jesus went about preaching. Jesus went about preaching in all the cities and villages, teaching, proclaiming good news, curing every disease, every sickness. And I'm sure you noticed. I'm sure you noticed what happens at the end of our reading. Jesus sends out his followers to do exactly the same thing. The mission initially is limited, which makes sense because people are limited. The mission is limited initially to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as Matthew's story of Jesus unfolds, we will discover in remarkable ways the ways in which that outreach breaks open to people beyond the house of Israel. But for the moment, the mission is focused. The mission is shared. It is focused. What I want to think about with you a little bit this morning is what it is that moves Jesus to bring the disciples, the apostles, into his mission at this point in the story. And what it is that moves him is the state of the people. So in our text, what we hear in our translation in NRSV, we hear that um, Jesus sees the crowd, has compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Oftentimes I find that English translations of scripture that are prepared for public reading are very polite. <laughs> um, and unnecessarily so. Um, the word behind Jesus' compassion is a wor word that refers to kind of the visceral movement of your innards in response to all kinds of situations. Um, a related Hebrew word that sits behind this talks about the kind of movement that goes on within a mother's uterus, within the womb, this kind of movement that involves gurgling and discomfort and all kinds of stuff. That's the word that sits behind this. And for these folks, your deepest innards are the seat of your emotion, not the heart as we usually talk about it. And so when Jesus when Jesus is described as being moved to compassion, that's maybe just a little too vanilla. Just a little too vanilla. It's more than that. Jesus is viscerally moved, which is still a little vanilla. <laughs> he has this deep movement of compassion within and responds. And what is it that prompts him to it? Again, in our text, our translation of the text, we hear that the crowds, as he looks at them, are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed 
and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Okay? I don't think that's a very good translation. I won't go into all the details of it, but I'll just tell you that the first word translated harassed in our reading today has, um, well, some renderings that are much more vivid. Um, the, the word translated harassed is the same word used of plundering, of, I don't know, Vikings going into your town and plundering everything and carrying, off, carrying it all off away. Um, in this case, the image would be more of Roman soldiers coming into an area and carrying everything off. The people are plundered, and the verb suggests totally so, completely plundered. Everything about them has been snatched by others. And the other one, the other verb there that they are, uh, that is translated as what? Helpless. Well, helpless is okay. The verb that sits behind it is the same, same verb used of the practice of exposing newborn infants when, for whatever reason, parents could not or would not care for them. It's the very same word used of a practice which was, has been a part of human history, but it certainly was practiced by the Romans and the Greeks, this practice of taking a newborn and rather than putting this newborn in a basket and leaving it at the pastor's door in the middle of the night, the child would be placed outside and left. There were many, many motivations for this, but that's the verb. And our translators are, well, too polite to go there. That's what it says. The people have been... They, it's like they have been plundered by forces from outside too powerful for them, and now they're living in this state. It's like the people are a kind of corporate infant, helpless, but now left to die, left for dead. This is what moves Jesus viscerally to respond. And I tell you, when we sit with those words and think about the world in which we now live, can we not see God's very compassion still responding to our state, our state, our corporate state? We who are living in a comfortable, rich bubble in the world often forget what a small bubble it is, how shielded we are, how shielded our lives are. We suffer. We go through things that are challenging, that scare us, that raise questions for us. But most of us are shielded from the daily dangers and risks that so many other human beings on this planet are facing. It is this that still moves God viscerally to compassion. 
Jesus responds. What does he do with this compassion? He preaches. He heals. He drives out the forces of wickedness which are opposed to God's shalom. And then he calls us into that very same work. He calls us to be people who refuse to separate words about the reign of God from acting on those words. So, tell me a little bit about how well you know the story. Tell me a little bit about how well you know the story of what God is up to in Christ. This is not a test. This is a conversation. How well, how comfortable are you in being able to talk to another person about what you believe God is up to in Jesus? Because you're sitting in a Lutheran congregation in Lutheran pews, my guess is you're pretty uncomfortable with that. You may be somebody who knows, you may have thought a lot about what God is up to in Jesus, but we Lutherans are allergic to talking about that with other people, and not simply as information. Not simply as information. It's easy to read the Bible and be able to regurgitate stuff from the Bible. The Bible says this, the Bible says that. That's not too hard. Where the challenge of faith is, is in taking the witness of others, struggling with it, making it your own in such a way that you can share the hope that is within you as good news for another person who needs to hear it. Hmm? I think we are living in a moment in the church's story when that is vitally important. We need to keep doing the kind of social ministry that we do as Lutherans. Do it together. Do it with lots of people. We need to be totally committed as communities of faith to entering into the suffering of the world in ways that make a difference because God calls us to that very thing. But Jesus never separated the story and talking about the story from what he did. And we have. We have entrusted the telling of the story to people like me. That's got to change. Telling the story is our shared joy, struggle, and responsibility. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, in part because the laborers have a hard time putting the story into their own words. 
But you know what? God continues to call us. Just as Jesus takes that compassion moving within him and looks at his closest circle of disciples and then trusts them with the very same responsibilities, so the risen one continues to look at us and in compassion for us and for the world, God continues to entrust Jesus' ministry of preaching the reign of God and living it to us. This comes from a book by a guy named Stanley Hauerwas. Christianity is not a philosophy that can be learned separate from those who embody it. If the truth that is Christ were a truth that could be known in principle, then we wouldn't need apostles. But the way the gospel is known is by one person being for another person the story of Christ. Jesus summons the disciples to him, and so summoned, they become for us the witnesses who make it possible for us to be messengers of God's reign. The disciples are not impressive people, but then neither are we. Their mission, as well as our own, is not to call attention to ourselves, but to Jesus and God's reign. To call attention to Jesus and God's reign. It is our duty and delight to know the story so well that we can put it into words for others and then share the work of that story in bringing God's healing to the world. May it be so also for us, in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.